0: That was a good starting place. I can't even
1: use this for the beginning. Yeah, hey, we are recording, so <laughs> not I'm good. Not edit that out. <laughs> please do. But I will. This is this is this is, <laughs> this is a G-rated show, please. Well, it's not that well, G-rated. PG, PG. Have you seen PG fifteen? This,
0: this is J rated for Jerry.
1: You're listening to the John T Show. Hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean-American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ.
2: Welcome to Episode 8 of the John Chi Show. Woo-hoo. I am Patrick, one of your hosts, and we're not doing host roll-offs because you have listened to now 8 episodes of this show so you know unless
0: they haven't unless this is episode one that they've listened to in which case the person interjecting go is back KJ. and listen to the first that seven episodes
2: me. whoa <laughs> wow or don't you know I'm what i'm demanding Live your life. i'm a, dem- wow. I'm a-, I'm a demanding <laughs> demanding podcast overlord host the now? don't jump in the middle <laughs> go back to one but just kidding uh this is the john shee show we really really are happy to even have made it to eight episodes um, I've been getting over a little bit of a sickness myself, so I'm just glad to be back in the chair in front of the cam for those of you watching the food portion of this. Um, but right now, I'm going to kick it over to one of my co-hosts, Nathan. Nathan, can you explain to what our new listeners what John Chi means? Sure. John Chi means
1: uh, celebration. I've also been seeing that it means festival, um, and we're doing it as a celebration or festival for our Korean adoption heritage and the stories that come along with it. And who is our host today? Or who's our host? Who's our Patrick guest? Patrick is just. Uh, oh. I know. Oh, Patrick's who's... dancing down below here. <laughs> he's no throwing festival hands. This. <laughs> oh, that's what those were. <laughs> festival hands. <This> is a... <laughs> Out of the jazz, jazz hands. Oh, now he's throwing confetti up. Nice. KJ, who are we
0: uh, talking to today? In today's episode, or tonight's episode, you know what, in whatever time period you're listening to this is episode, uh, we had the privilege of sitting down with Nick Messersmith. Nope, that is inaccurate, Nathan. Arguably impossible. Uh, we had the privilege of sitting down with Nick Messersmith, who uh, talked to us about... Taekwondo and getting involved in martial arts, how that led him to a stunt career in Hollywood um, and on his eventual pathway to directing, uh, to having content that is created uh, for Asian Americans, by Asian Americans and increasing um, their representation in the media. It was a really fantastic interview. Uh, But we did have some audio problems, so I just wanted to let you know at the top uh, there's some weird cuts, there's some weird echoes and things, and I apologize for that. Uh, It's just one of those things about um, all being remote that, uh, you know, it is what it is, Uh, but we are excited to talk to him. And a little bit later, we talk with the three of us and a special family guest uh, and we eat some food like we do every show, so um, check that out. You can also watch that portion on YouTube if you'd like. Find us just by searching John Chi Show. Uh, yep. Roll Ed the sips. tape. Oh, yes. Oh, yes.
1: Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's a little teaser, for, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, no.
0: You better fix that wall before my dad gets home from work. <laughs>
2: So, just want to know a little bit about your adoption story. Give us that rundown. I know you talked about a little bit in your guest form, but if you could just elaborate for our audience, uh, that would be great.
3: Uh, yeah. So I was born in Sungnam in Korea, it's like in South Korea. Um, it's a suburb of Seoul. Um, at least that's what they think because I was I was uh, left in a building. I was abandoned. Um, so then apparently the the way my my parents were told was that. Uh, the police received a call. Um, When they arrived, they saw a woman running from them, and then I was there. So they assumed that was probably my birth mother, and she probably called the police, told them there was a kid there. She stayed. Once police got there, she ran. Um, And then I was adopted. I came here when I was 11 months old, so I was a little bit older. I was supposed to be adopted earlier, but then... I think on the day I was supposed to be adopted, I had the shingles and the measles. <laughs> no, that no, delayed oh. my adoption uh, a couple of months. Um, and then my, finally, when I was 11 months, I came here. So July 1st, 1986, I arrived here. Um, and I've been here ever since. Um, my Korean name was uh, Sung Chung Dae. Um, it means sung, of course, as we know, a star. And chongbae and means like chung is like happy and, and fulfillment. So it means kind of like bright star or shining star kind of. So I grew up in Iowa um, in the Midwest uh, my whole life pretty much. I had a sister that was adopted from Korea as well. So my parents were told they couldn't have kids. um, So they adopted me. And then a few years later adopted another girl from Korea. We weren't biologically brother and sister, but they adopted her. Um, And then uh, years later that for some reason, my youngest sister came along and she's their biological daughter for, they were, it must've been the pressure or something like that. And then she was kind of a surprise. So then she came along. So, you know, I had one adopted sister and and one uh, American sister and, you know, all of us kind of grew up uh, not seeing color and kind of just like, you know, Oh yeah, just every everyone's welcome and accepted. And when I graduated from high school, I had 22 kids in my graduating class. Everyone knew everyone, and I think my sister and I were the only two kind of people of color in our school. So it it uh, was—I didn't really get be around. I wasn't around that a lot until I went to college. And then first time in college, it was kind of like, whoa, you know, it's kind of weird of people from not just. Asia, but all over, and when I got into film and, and graduated from film school and everything, um, started working uh, was very very fortunate enough to find myself a manager who represents Asian Americans she uh, she's worked with on with, on rush hour with Jackie Chan. she's been a PA she does a lot, she's done a lot of stuff um, in Hollywood, so she just recently started representing Asian Americans and helping them get out there. Um, and so she was fortunate enough to find me a lot of work. So my basis is here in Iowa. My wife lives here. Um, she teaches here. But um, I I consider myself to be from Iowa, but I, sometimes I'm like three months in L.A. or something, or I might be a month in Florida or something, depending on how long the project is and everything. So I'm kind of everywhere. So
1: I've driven through Iowa. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it might be the best it's sometimes it's a good thing to just drive through it so i always
1: i always wanted to see the uh the um the field of dreams oh area, yeah i never yeah. never got a chance to see that i knew it was over there but
2: so it seems like you have a pretty decent relationship with your adoptive family um yes. and your adoptive sister and stuff um i think it's i think it's really when you talked about earlier they wanted you to retain some of that heritage and your culture and that's why they put you in taekwondo um And you said that was kind of the one thing that they knew about what other things as you were growing up, did they try to either involve themselves in or help you guys get involved in? What was that like kind of in your growing up experience?
3: Sure. So uh, going back to Taekwondo at five, I was so shy um, and I, I didn't want to even go through the door. So my dad being a cool dad signed up even though he didn't want to and was kind of like, you know, so he signed up and like was totally like him
0: and a bunch of five-year-olds
3: (laughs) kind of. Yeah, there was like, there was like one other adult and some like teenagers and everything (laughs) and my dad, you know, so he, uh, he did it for and like now four it's sparring time. Exactly, that was the thing. He was like a Kramer and Seinfeld when he fights all the kids. But uh, no, he he signed up and was really cool. Did it. I think he promoted to orange or green belt. He just did it for a few months just to kind of get me comfortable with everyone and the teacher and all that stuff. And then he kind of just quietly said, you know, this is your thing, not mine and, and did that. Okay. And so he, he kind of he stopped and was glad okay. that I kept going with it. I mean, I play I tried playing other sports in high school. I'm a huge football fan. I love football. But um, and I tried to play Um but you know it's it's one of those things that they always say don't let anyone ever tell you that you're too small or you can't do something but football right. is a dangerous sport <laughs> that if you are oh, too yeah. small you can seriously <laughs> get blown up and hurt and everything so that was oh, yeah. one of those things that i was like you know what i have to be realistic and. a just stick with Taekwondo. I was good at sparring and, you know, I kind of got into that. And so it was like, yeah, I'll just stick with that and do
0: that. So So I'm from Texas. And uh, when I was in high school, I went to a small private Christian school and we like, my freshman year was our first year to have a football team. So obviously I was going to play. And same thing. uh, I was like, I want to play football. This will be fantastic. I have that like sweet American dream. I'll be uh, a football player. I'll date a cheerleader and like the rest will be history. Anyway, so they put me a wide receiver, which is typically like, tall people who can jump. And like, that's, have you seen me? That's stupid. And like me being me, I was like, I would make a great running back. I'm small. I'll just dodge everybody. I'll just, I'll just, They'll all like die for me. I'm like, I'm too short. You can't get me. Whatever. So then I, I I played a year and it was whatever. And then senior year, I was like, I need a PE credit. I like football. Maybe I'll do that again. And they put me on freaking D line. I was like, I'm not going to go up against a bunch of linemen. Like me being a small Asian person. Like it was just, yeah. So it was, I was like, yeah, don't let anybody tell you you can't. But also, I'm telling me I can't because I don't want to die. So,
1: man, feel haven't that. you seen Rudy? You could oh, do it. Yeah. <laughs> no.
3: you just might get hurt a lot. I'm just not as cool as Sean Astin, in- <laughs> and
2: so. no, that movie gets me every time. So, um, talk of a little bit about uh, a little bit more about your trips back to South Korea, um, especially you know you went there for taekwondo specifically, and then you went back. I think you said on more of a cultural journey. And you talked a little bit about language. What's your journey been like from those two jir- or trips to Korea, and, and then immersing yourself in that? And what's that been like for you as an adoptee?
3: Sure. So the the going back for me um, at the, the the so I I've all, actually I've only been there once. So it was kind of like almost oh, okay. two trips. So it was kind of like two different things. I I went there for for ten days. It was kind of training and learning how they train in Korea and and the way they do it. And then the other time was kind of going, they took us to some important sites there, the the temple in Seoul and, you know, different things like that. So we could get to see a little bit, but most of it was spent training, waking up at, five o'clock in the morning having people yell at you and throw you for an hour and judo and you know and and you're you, you as you're sitting there holding yourself they're like, oh no, you're Korean. You can do it. So keep going. So I throw you again. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, okay, do it again. And then you throw and and uh so we did mostly that we did get to see and explore and it was the language. You know, I wanted to learn as much as I could while I was there. Um, you know, I a buddy of mine, I had a roommate that was Korean in college and he was like, dude you don't need to learn Korean. He's like, just speak English. The girls will love it. And, and everyone will, cause everyone wants to learn English. And so, so I was like, okay, cool. I'm believing him. So I went over there and I walked into a shop and I see this pretty girl. And I'm like, Hey, how are you? And she just looks at me and then walked the other way. So I was like, Oh, well maybe, maybe they don't. And then people were like, yeah, they don't The the guys on the Taekwondo and the Korean Taekwondo thing, the guys were like, Oh yeah, man. Like you can't speak English to girls. Cause We want to learn English, but we don't know it. So when you speak really good, we we get scared and we just we just walk away and we don't because we don't want to make us sound bad by speaking. I was like, oh, okay. So I was like, I should have learned Korean. So then after that, (laughs) I learned a little bit while I was there, of course, Um, I learned a lot of survival Korean because a lot of it was the grandmaster there that was training us would only yell at us in Korean. So we kind of just had to learn like, when he said something like, look around, oh, we got to do it, because if you didn't do it, he'd just come up and hit you a little bit. So you'd be like, okay, we (laughs) got to make sure we do this, you know, so we, so I kind of learned, and we already knew, I knew basic Korean through, I like, I like, I, I always say, I know I'm fluent in Taekwondo Korean, I can give commands, I can yell at people, I can coach people in Korean, like say head kick and different things like that, I can do all that. But speaking basic Korean, I was really bad at. I was like, I didn't know anything. I knew food, and I knew bathroom, and that was it, you know. Um, and then when I got back, uh, when I transferred to the University of Iowa, they had a Korean, Korean like class, like language. So I was like, oh, I'm going to sign up for that. So I did that and uh, learned very basic Korean, learned it, um, the problem with it was, unfortunately for me, living in Iowa, you don't have a lot of people you can practice with. Right. So it was. I wish I would have known more people that I could practice it with and everything. So I didn't. I didn't learn it. And then kind of, I picked up more and more throughout the years, growing kind of just on my own, um, hanging out with more Korean people. Uh, I remember my grandmaster was teaching me a lot more stuff and different things like that. Him always saying, "Oh, you need to know this, or you should learn this," and and so I I. Can speak just very little. I can listen to K-pop songs and understand what they're saying, um, and I can. For the most part, if someone speaks Korean, I can understand what they're saying. My biggest problem is speaking back to them, trying to answer them back in Korean. Um, so sometimes it's like they'll speak Korean and I'll just answer in English. But there's still a lot of Korean I don't know. It would be one of those things I don't, I think I could say, hello, my name is, and and you know, the basic things like that. But to ha- hold down a full conversation in Korean, it would be very hard for me. I hope that someday I can learn it and be more fluent in it. So
2: we're getting, a, we're having a lot of people that come on and they're like i want to learn the language i think we need to start our own group of of that we all just learn korean together and uh maybe jerry can come in and teach us or or start a podcast where we all learn korean at the same time (laughs) um that's for another day though um to kind of keep on i mean taekwondo is just a huge part of yourself and your journey and not only doing it from iowa state but going to iowa as well and doing it there And, um, this grandmaster, um, a legend in his own right, uh, here and in Korea, what was it like just learning from him? And do you guys still keep up today? Is he, is he still a big part of your life?
3: Uh, yeah. So, uh, he is actually, he still, he still comes back when we do testings and everything like that. He's always sitting there every December. He comes back and, um, 30, I think 40 years ago while he was there, he started this like kind of martial arts banquet that he does. So every March. Every around March 6th, it doesn't always fall on a Saturday, but around March 6th, we have our martial arts family has a banquet. So he invites every single one of his students back. Um, And so I still do keep in touch with him. You know, his classes were kind of, I think, the typical what everyone thinks, unfortunately, but what everyone thinks uh, a a typical like Asian master, grandmaster is. He would be kind of very Mr. Miyagi-esque, you know, at the end of every class we would sit and he would just he would pour knowledge into us, just, you know, something that would just, you'd say, wow, why didn't I think of that? Or, you know, that that's inspiring. Or, you know, I remember he, t- he would always make us wake up every day and make our bed every day. And he would be he's like, I'm going to come to the dorm and make sure you make our bed. And we're like, ah, he's not going to come to the dorm. And I just remember I didn't make my bed and I got a knock on the door and he was there. And I was like, oh, and my bed wasn't made. <laughs> so, you know, he's like, okay. He's like, you do 500 push-ups right now and then make your bed. So I said, okay. So I dropped Dang. down, and he wow. he literally just sat at my desk with the newspaper, reading it until I finished five hundred pushups and made my bed. And then he just said, "He said okay," and walked out. And, and then, you never
1: not made your bed again. Never, never. I always <laughs> made it. I was like, "Nope,
3: that's not gonna happen ever again." You know, yeah. so I always made that's my bed. Um, It was one of those things that I was glad that he did because he never babied us. I remember getting to Korea because he had set the trip up and I called him and I said, I can't read anything. I don't know where I'm going. He's like, you figure it out. (laughs) He's like, you're an adult. You figure it out. He goes, because he goes, you know, you get to somewhere you're not supposed to be, you'll know. He said, so just just you know get do as best you can talk to people learn the you're never gonna almost that just throwing them in the pool and letting them learn to swim it was essentially that mm-hmm. like you're gonna learn mm-hmm. the language if you need to so you know he was he was that was the way he was and i never understood it until as I got older, I was like, oh, okay, I'm glad that he did that. And I'm glad the training I had, because now going into film, when you do stunts, you get, I get, I get thrown all the time and beat up and hit by cars and fall off bridges and different things. And everyone's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. You know? Cause he was always, he always told us, even if you're hurt, you still get up and you just keep going. You know, there's, there's you put dirt on it and keep going. I, I just remember one guy broke his toe, during his black belt testing, I remember the guy; his toe was like that, and I just remember him saying, "Come here." And he's like, "You need to go to the hospital." He said, "No," and he just grabbed the toe and popped it back in, and said, "You finish." And so, the, <laughs> the guy finished his testing, and that was it, you know. And uh, we're just like, "Man, he's just he's hardcore." So
1: that wouldn't be me, and I'm fainting just hearing the story. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right now. <laughs> he was he was uh, he was always one because I was adopted from Korea. He was always he would always say to me whenever I did something, I said, I don't think I can do that. he's like no, you're Korean. You can do it. And I'm just I would always say, but sir, I'm not like the Korean you think I am. I grew up here. You know, it wasn't as hard of a culture. It was softer. My, you know, I like it, I didn't have to grow up. that way. No, no, no. You're Korean. You do it. So everyone would be like, why do you do that? And I said, I, I honestly don't know. But he was a man that you could never tell him. No, if you say no, he'd be like, choice is none. Whenever we would argue or not want to do something, he'd say "choice is none," and we knew that. Okay, well, if we're not if we don't do it, we're going to be doing a thousand ups So I'd rather just do this and not have to do a thousand pushups. So,
2: choice is none sounds like a really good mantra to have when you go to do stunts because you're going to get thrown around again. Like yeah. that's the thing you all of that all of that getting thrown around has kind of set you up to be able to, to take the beating that stunt people do. Yeah. To get and, thrown around professionally. <laughs> yeah. Get thrown around and get paid, get paid for it, for it for this it. time.
3: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I told him that That's he's like, better. he's like, you, you like doing stunts. I visited him when I was out there. He's like, you like doing stunts. And I'm like, well, sir, essentially it's doing what you made me do for two years almost and getting beat up. But I was like, but I'm getting paid for it this time. He's like, mm, mm, good. He goes, maybe I knew, he goes, I need new profession. He said, maybe I do
0: that. I said, yeah, go ahead. So,
2: so. I guess let, I I want to go into now transitioning from taekwondo and growing up with this really really strict discipline and then transitioning that and and translating it into the stunts and and the, and the film and and the in that industry talk about getting into that um, a little bit at Iowa State or, or maybe at Iowa and then how you kind how that kind of propelled you into what you're doing today.
3: Sure. Um, so. I went, I didn't, like I said, I, I went to junior college, didn't know what to do. And then I figured out I wanted to do film. Um, when I went to Iowa state, Iowa state didn't have a film program. And I remember uh, I, after junior college, I did two years And my second year, I went to this tournament and I told my grandmaster, I said, sir, I'm going to Iowa next year. Cause they have a film school and film program. He's like, no, you come to Iowa state next year. And I said, well, I already applied and application deadline is already over. He's like, no, no, you apply. He goes, don't worry. I take care of it. And I was like, no, he's like, I see you in fall, choice is none. So I was like, okay. So I went home <laughs> and I literally applied. I filled out the application and my parents were like, you're not going to get in. Like the application is already over, like two weeks. School is school's like in two weeks. I said, I know, but he told me to. So I did it. And then literally like four days later, I got this this acceptance letter. um saying that you've been accepted into this and everything because he called somebody and everything and And
0: he was like choices no yeah so
3: i went there (laughs) so i didn't have a major i went to iowa state i was like well what am i gonna study while i'm here i was like i got all my gen eds done i had literally all my math science everything done at junior college when i got my aa so i was like i have nothing to study and i just remember him saying well then you train every day then you can train." You know, six hours. You just do, you just take a few he goes, I give you credit for you, you do taekwondo hapkiro judo, I give you credit. And I said, Okay. So I did three hours of class credit that with that, and I did a few other classes and everything. And he and he then he sent me to Korea, which I was very glad. And then I told him, I said, Sir, I really have to transfer the next year. I I have to go to film school. Like I need to graduate. I can't just not do something. He's like, he thought about it for a second. He said, Okay, okay, you go. So I went to film school. I wanted to direct. That was the biggest thing. I wanted to get into directing. Um, I learned, I I studied directing at film school. Um, And then I took this Asian uh, film class at Iowa. And it was very interesting to me because one of the things they talked about a lot was representation and about how hard, if you're an Asian American, especially a male, you have to work almost three times as hard as anyone else in the industry. Um, because of representation, because of underrepresentation, um, because of stereotypes, because of the roles you're going to play as director or as an actor, whatever it is, you're going to have to work harder. And I said, you know, there's got to be a different way. Um, and I just remember talking to my professor who was also Korean. Um, he just happened to be Korean. And I just remember him saying like, yeah, he goes, unfortunately, there's just not a lot of Asians that do film, that go to film school, that do film. I said, I need to get into directing. I, I I met a lot of agents and they said, you know, it you, you might be hard, as especially as an Asian American too, to get into directing. Um, So why don't you try acting? So I said, oh, okay. So I tried acting, um, but it was like the same roles. Like you have a deep accent, you're a Chinese delivery person or you're a comic relief or so- something. And I just was like, you know, there's so many more Asian Americans out there that don't have an accent that don't speak like this. So it's why is this the only image of Asians that we see, you know? Um, and so I, I just said, you know, there's gotta be something. And, and so then um, my friend was like, well, why don't you get into stunts? Why don't you get into fighting? You're, you're really good at fighting. You're really good at that stuff. Why don't you get into
0: it? Nick, I'm seeing in our notes here, uh, the thing about Hankook dragon productions. So, uh, Why don't you talk us through, um, where you were and, um, what you're doing now in terms of, uh, getting more Asian representation in the media? Sure. Um, so, you know, when you go to, I've been to
3: auditions where I will read for somebody and they'll say, no, no, we need like fresh off the boat Korean, you know, like, The hello, but they were all Chinese, and and, and, uh, (laughs) and everything. So, you know, and those were the rules that you know, it's you're conflicted as an Asian American, you get conflicted because you say, I don't need to do this, I don't need to do this crap if that's what they want me to do. At the same time, you look at it and you're like, Well, that's a lot of money though, and uh, you know, that would feed my family and and everything. And 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 so it's really hard because those were the only rules that were available for a long time, and so I became selective and said. I will take the role, but, you know, the Asian American in that film, you know, can't have an accent or he can't be a Chinese delivery driver or, or something. Right? That can't be his only main role. It's just to be funny and, and all that stuff. And so, I, you know, I, I've set, made it a mission and worked with a lot of other Asian actors and, and actresses to say, you know what, these are the roles that we want to do. Um, Lana Condor Um, who was in To All the Boys I Ever Loved. She's Vietnamese adoptee. And I remember watching the film and her dad in the film is white. And I remember watching it. For me, that was normal. I watched that. I was like, oh yeah, that is her dad. I bought it because that's how it was. But I remember a friend of mine sitting next to me watching it and goes, that's so weird. And I was like, what do you mean? It's weird. He goes, her dad's a white dude. She's Asian. I'm like, And it took me a second because I said, you know, to me, that is normal. But then I had to put myself in his shoes and say, okay, he's not used to seeing that type of thing, that relationship as a father and a daughter or whatever, who is one is white and one is Asian. So I'm glad that Lana Condor did that. I remember she said she took a lot of flack for it. There were people who said it was weird and people that watched Netflix viewers who watched it and said it it was weird to see that. Um, But as an adoptee, I was like, you know what, that that is something I'm glad. I hope they show that more. You mentioned Hungo Dragon Productions was something I created for, strictly for an independent film. Uh, I directed a, I got the opportunity last year to direct a, um, a Superman fan film, um, that someone wanted to, someone had written the script for and, and reached out to me about directing it. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll direct it. So I directed it. And we needed a production company behind it. And, uh, There was no one really willing to back it up or do anything like that. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. I think representation, it needs to start from the top. I think it can't just start in front of the screen. It has to be behind the camera. It has to be from the top, executive producers, writers, directors. And, you know, Mulan is a great example of that because on screen, it's all Asian-American, but behind the screens, it's all the Disney execs who are American. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's like, you know they still have the power to say you know what we don't want Mulan represented this way she has to be like this and that and as an Asian American director then you have to be like okay i guess that's the way we're going to do it you know and it still might be this very stereotypical thing because we still have this so it's like i believe that if we want representation to be better we need to start behind the camera we need to start from the very top and work our way down so that is the goal i'm hoping that in a few years maybe we can start doing Asian American content that's not that people don't have accents people don't do kung fu people just are regular people that like we are that just kind of go through regular things and have regular problems and just kind of tell story and they just happen to look like us that's all you know so um hopefully that we can do that and hopefully we can
0: move that direction so
1: yeah absolutely maybe some more stories uh, like uh of adoption too maybe mm-hmm. some more uh you know um, you know, mixed families where you see that. So you get used to the fact that there are adoptions yeah. out there.
3: Yeah, for sure. You know, I, yeah. um, I, I wrote it. I, I will say this. I, I wrote a film. Uh, I started it in film school. It's called the Adam Project about an Asian American um, male who has adopted parents. His parents are white. Um, he's Asian American, kind of going through life. Finds out that maybe his parents, you know, know a little bit more about his birth parents and birth story than what he thinks. And he goes on this journey and searches for him and wants to find out who his mother is and who his father is and, and where he comes from. And it just happens to be this, there's a lot more going on. So, uh, cause I always, that was always a, a thing of mine too. I said, what if, what if my like, father was like, like this Korean mob boss? Or what if, what if (laughs) I have this lineage of being like the King, the last lineage of the the last King of Korea or something like that, you know? (laughs) And it was always something when I was a kid, I always thought about that. I was like, Oh, so when I started writing, I was like, well, what if, he wrote something similar. It's not that he's royalty or anything like that, but what if he starts finding out that his story isn't what he thinks it is? That's kind of the gist of the story and it's kind of sci-fi with this adoption story mixed in there. So
1: sounds cool.
2: If you need a random dude to die, uh, I've always wanted to die <laughs> on the screen. Sure. So hit me up. Sure. <laughs> for
0: sure, man. One of my co-producers, uh, we we made this uh, short film and his mother-in-law was like, yeah, if you need somebody to die, I I would love to be a dead body on film. And we ended up using her as a dead body. And I was like, all right, what do you know?
1: So that's cool. Everybody wants to be a dead body. I don't.
2: I think that in that answer there, you gave a nugget about the good piece of advice you got going into this journey through film and in the industry. And I was wondering, specifically for Korean American adoptees, but really any adoptee who's you know, looking for not only representation, but wants to do that themselves and represent our people on screen, what, what piece of advice would you, would you give them, um, to get into that?
3: Uh, you know, something, I think that you, it's always going to be a grind no matter what, and you have to grind it out. And you also have to be, you know, be a person that stand up for what you believe in and just say like, look, I, I want to do this role, but I have ideas like don't be afraid to say that because I was always in the industry. It's always about respect. That is a big respect industry. So when you're first going off, you don't say anything. You're not supposed to say anything to the actors. You don't say anything to the directors. They call you out. They say, stand here and do this. And that's it. And then they send you home and you don't say anything. And you when you're an extra and a background actor, that's what you do. And that's your job. So I was like, OK, I can do that. When you start getting more roles on camera, where you become more important, then you have a little bit of a voice and a little bit of a saying. When you have that, you should definitely say something and say like, look, like I know that this is the image we have of Asians, but why does that have to be? Can we portray this as a different way? Can we portray this as American? I mean, essentially that's what we are. We, we are no different than anyone else I had a lot of people say, Oh, you should go to Korea and act. You should go to Korea and work in their industry because and you're like, but you no, we were, need you would...
0: representation in America.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yeah. they say you would, you would look like them. But then when you get into the Korean film industry, it's almost the opposite. They're like, Oh, well you could be the American guy that gets drunk and is a jerk and yells at everybody and screams and hollers and does all this. I'm like, well, that's not what America is, you know? Like, I mean, that's, we don't just all screaming. they're like, oh, you could like steal a car or rob a bank or something. I was like, well, that's not what America <laughs> is, you know? I know. Like, just give me that's a cheeseburger.
0: What... <laughs> it's fine. Nick, uh, I love that you were just like, I have the opportunity to make a, make a movie. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to like, I don't have a production company. I'm going to make my own production company. Like literally just like doing the things as you're doing the things. So uh, looking ahead to when COVID is over, when content creation uh, resume some sense of normalcy in the meantime where can people find you support what you're doing um, and and keep up with you so that when when all of your new stuff drops we can uh, support uh, another Asian American who who is being choosy about the roles that he takes
3: yeah so uh, if you follow me on Instagram um, you can definitely and I can send all that stuff to you guys and everything but if you follow me on Instagram I post a lot on there kind of what was your
0: Instagram handle uh, nick.messersmith perfect so you can find nick at nick.messersmith m-e-s-s-e-r-s-m-i-t-h uh, you can also just check out the show notes you'll see it all there um his podcast is just like me right not to be confused with just like media yes Uh, we can talk about that off air (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but nick thank you so much for coming on the show man uh for having your time with us um it was really really great to chat with you so um yeah, this has been real fantastic.
1: Congratulations on all the the stuff and the, the I, advancements I, here this yeah, year. Yeah, no, I so. thank
3: you guys. And like I said, I think we talked about a little bit earlier while we were off off the line. But you know, I'm glad that you guys are doing this, and I thank you guys for doing this because we, we you know adoptees do need this. And I think we have you know there there there's so much talent. I think adoptees especially have so much talent because we're very different from Asian Americans who have Asian parents, because Asian yeah. parents are very much like go to school, get good grades. And, you know, become a doctor, lawyer, dentist. And my parents wanted me to go to school and get good grades. But, you know, when I told them I'm going to go into film, they were like, cool, do it. You know, do what you want to do. Yeah, we definitely uh,
0: definitely fit in a unique space um, for Asian-Americans and adoptees and, and yeah, coming from all of that. So uh, thank you again, Nick. When we come back from this break, we will be eating a food or drinking a drink. So stay tuned for that business. Here we go.
1: We have a little special guest here. This is my eldest son, Kelvin. Say hello, Kelvin. (laughs) What's up, buddy? Say hello to his foot. (laughs) Hello, Kelvin's toes. So everyone says hello. We are excited to try some food today. I don't even know what we're trying. What are we trying?
0: Yeah, I have no idea. So our producer, Jerry, uh, sent us a box with Covered items numbered one through like ten or nine or something. I don't know actually how many there were in there. Uh, so today we are opening mystery item number six. Habuyaka number uh, six. What is it? So yeah six. It feels mystery squishy. Item. So I'm it thinking it's a sweet, maybe it could just be choco pies again. It could be chocolate. Which would be interesting. I don't know.
1: You wanna open what? it, Calvin? Okay.
0: Oh yeah, tear in there.
1: <laughs> he's he's going for What's it. What's in there, Calvin?
0: Whoa, what
1: is that? It's another high Hightai oh, product.
0: Yes. It's, it's, oh, it's almost like a chocolate yes. pie. Yes. It's literally just called, oh, yes. It's called,
1: oh, I oh, thought you were just yes. saying yes. Can you say no?
0: That? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice.
1: yes. It says it is a premium chocolate coated cake. Oh. Are you ready to try that? Yeah, oh he's excited. Look at that Since face. Since 1984. Since 1984. Oh. This is older than you by a long shot. Patrick is just casually yeah. yeah. juggling. So, me. we have 3 of them. Whoa. Looks like like they're all the same flavor. <laughs> you like chocolate I want cake? That. No, you want this. You like that? Oh, why well, you want the low fiber. calories, low, low sodium.
0: Zero trans <laughs> fat. <set. laughs>
1: I, I say, like the name
0: of it <laughs> by high tie again. I, yeah, I love this. Let's uh let's dig into it, yeah.
1: All right. Here you go. <laughs> There you go. Oh, no like nutritional label,
2: I'll just have to take the zero grams of trans fat. Yeah. At its best. But it I'm assuming the that is probably on the bottom. A box. little melty.
1: little melty. Hey, don't yeah. make too much of a mess up here, buddy.
2: Looks
1: like
0: oh, a good chocolate. Hostess cake. It does seem like a hostess oh. snack. Hold oh. on. Mm, yeah. yeah. Got Got some chocolate detail. Oh, On the, the top thin, there. thin chocolate filling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's uh. Mhm. Oh yeah, I am. I like it. Yeah, it's like a zebra cake, right? I I feel like yeah. it's uh, like a what's the other one? Uh, A ho ho? I think some one that has a host of stuff. Nice. Yeah, Ding dong. Don. Yeah. I, I like this one
1: already better than the choco pie. What? Mm. Mm. Really? Yeah. It, I think wow. this one's more moist,
0: or it just it's not as dry as that one was. Well, the the chocolate pie is marshmallow based and this one is cake based. It's got a good right. layer of sponge in there.
2: Yeah, if I've learned maybe. anything about if I'd known anything, anything I'd that we've done during these food things, it's that Americans yeah. do things way over mm. the s- amount that normal countries do. That like is that's joking. a like that's a moderate amount of filling. In America okay, that would be all filling. I already very finished thin it. layer of cake. Uh
0: um, I feel like it's yeah. well balanced between the sponge layer and the, <laughs> the chocolate layer. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that might like uh, that it. might be ganache. Ooh. I actually have yes. no idea. I've not watched enough uh, British Bake Off to know for sure how to yeah. talk about cake beyond calling it sponge. <laughs> hmm. So this is. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying oh yes, but I am saying okay.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm saying. I'm saying.
0: It's good. Oh shoot, I'm getting chocolate on my shirt.
1: Yeah. It is crumbly and I wish I had known that this is what we were eating. I would have brought more napkins <laughs> up here, especially for uh, this one here. I might be doing a, a cleaning just, here in a little bit. Just flick them off. Just flick those things <laughs> off.
0: Kelvin, what do just... you think? You like it a lot? Is it chocolatey? Nice. Yeah. Is it, is it spongy? Tasty like a cake? Those listening, Kelvin is too busy eating to actually properly respond. But <laughs> he's he not is even he doesn't
2: even open it. He's just he's going right through that. Package. That's <laughs>
0: he's just gnawing really through, through the package. That's a little
1: bit better for the uh, cleanliness of the uh,
0: <laughs> 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 the experience here. Yeah. Nice. So, oh. I'm assuming it since it survived its trip from California via wildfires, that's why it's a little melty. So I'm not going yeah. to. Why are you
2: eating there. it like that? To save your fingers from the Me? chocolate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I just don't want it to. Yeah. <laughs> Get oh shoot! It's on my chair. Oh, <laughs> my
2: yeah.
1: These are definitely crumbly. Whenever we've eaten, Sarah, the I promise pies, I'll clean this up. We've been eating them on 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 the table and in a plate and everything like that. Because, yeah,
2: as you can see, it's already going all over his face and probably yes, It's <laughs> a Great see, video content. It's though. like yeah. that because you're supposed. These are originally made to be mm. eaten in one bite.
0: So mm-hmm. you just shove that
2: the whole thing in your feel. mouth. Okay, do good it. Job. I dare you. Well, I Open opened a this new one. one and it's been it destroyed. <laughs> it's destroyed already. Open
0: a new one and fit it in your mouth. Yeah, I will. I right I actually figure it out. I think I finished mine in about three bites, four
2: bites. Mhm. Oh, oh, this one's even in two yeah. halves. Mhm. So that oh. like, that's how it came out of the package. Huh. Oh. There yes. it is. There it goes
1: chocolate. I, I I'm a I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Would you eat these again, Kelvin? No. Mm. Yeah. All right. How many O's do you give this? Yes. How many O oh yeah's do you give this? <laughs> one, one out of five. Five being the best. How many would you give this? Five. Oh, five. Calvin gives it a five out Kelvin of five. Calvin gives it a five. Youngling approved. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna give, give this... it at least a four and a half because I like. like I guess I like. <laughs> I like this better than choco pie.
0: Yeah, I think I'm gonna give it so. a solid four O's. Yeah.
2: Patrick, I was gonna give it a solid four as well, nice. because that last one I opened was split in half and just hold it together. I think the <laughs> thing should hold it together in the packaging before I or when I open it. Wow, that's true. If I ever opened like a Kit Kat
1: and it was already cut down the middle, I'd be probably disappointed. Yeah,
2: I just I would just throw it away. Just, it's already ruined. <laughs> I can't like even didn't eat this. Did you ask
0: for a break? I just won the whole Kit Kat. <laughs> Amazing. It's already oh, been ruined. That's, that's good. All right, yeah, well, that was it. our nice. experiencing high time. Oh, yes. What are the cakes? Six. Oh, yes. Premium oh, chocolate yes. coated cake. cake. Yeah. So, oh, six. yes. Number Premium six. chocolate coated cake. Number, oh, six. Right? number six. That was oh, number six. Nice. Yes. yes. Number six.
2: Oh, I thought we were chanting. <laughs> so,
0: uh, thank you for watching if you are watching this please leave a like and if you are listening to the podcast please take a minute and leave us a rating or a review on itunes that super helps us out you can find the john chi show on all of the socials at john chi show or send us an email to john chi show at just like uh i am still at kj Rilke on all of the platforms
2: <laughs> and i'm still no walk photo and I'm still Patrick in the world and other things. And this yeah. is Kelvin. <laughs>
0: and <he's>, you can <laughs> he's find proven. Kelvin on Zanga. He's a, a heavy blogger. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yes. yes. Oh, yes. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs>